This podcast is a member of the Red 5 Network. For more Red 5 Network podcasts and content creators, visit bio.link slash red5. Greetings. This is Jedi Master Obi-Wan Kenobi. I'm about to have a conversation. I, Master Plo, have you heard of this conversation? Yes, Kotor Yar, Obi-Wan. You're listening to Star Wars Conversations here indeed. Welcome to Conversations, I'm Charles. And I'm Pat, and this is episode 104. Throughout the Star Wars galaxy, there are many people, creatures, and droids that we all know and love. This series gives us a chance to know them better. The legend from Lasan. Character study, Garazeb Aurelios. Fantastic character, and... Oh, Carabast, I missed up my intro. <laughs> Carabast. <laughs> oh, one of the many great quotes of uh, <laughs> of Zeb, our beloved Zeb. Yes. As some people, I'm sure, know, Ralph McQuarrie was a huge uh, influence on Star Wars, and he did, like, a mountain of concept art. And uh, we so we have our episode 60 on Ralph McQuarrie. Nice. That, that has um, a lot of that in there. But uh, the Lissat creature was based on some of the early designs for Chewbacca. Yeah, like really close to it. I mean, like the from the, yeah. you know, the head all the way down, basically the legs. The legs have that sort of, you know, uh, multi-jointed look to them and um, almost like cat-like to a certain degree. But, um, but yeah, like the facial structure, the ears, everything. Everything is really spot on to what McQuarrie uh, had sketched out, you know, decades ago. Yeah, so Garrus Evarelios was a Lasat. They were from the cavern-filled planet Lasan in the Outer Rim Territory. Yeah, and what's interesting about that is that they started, or at least their their species started on Lirasan, like yes. centuries beforehand, uh, you know, in the Unknown Regions, and they colonized Lasan, and sort of almost like a sister planet, right? And then Lasan sort of lost contact over, you know, eons or whatever, and then sort of they fell into lore. Some, it was well, you got to remember that Lyrasam was uh, in wild space. Wild space, yeah. So many of them, uh, like, emigrated closer to the core worlds. Okay. For ease of access to things that are available in the right, core worlds. Right, So in that effort, they almost, you know, lost communication with their home world of Lyrasam. Yeah. And it became like a pass into myth almost that this, you know, mm-hmm. this original homeworld was this paradise for uh, Lasat. And we see that in Rebels where it's, you know, foretold of and all that kind of stuff. And so it's really kind of, you know, faded into mythos for the actual species itself. Yes. Basically, they had like uh, monarchy mm. on um, Lasan. And so, you know, they had the. Lasan High Honor Guard, yeah, which was basically tasked as like secret service for the royal family mm-hmm. of Lasan, right? And um, in that culture, people were given the honor of serving in those positions, and 
Zeb was uh, once a captain of the High Honor Guard. Yeah, and like a very well-respected captain and like a leader. And he was very well-trained and, you know, fierce uh, protector. Yes. Uh, up until and including, you know, the unfortunate uh, uh, attack on Lasan. But uh, again, the uh, Emperor and his empire is just a bunch of jerks. Oh, yeah, totally. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> but uh, so basically the um, training for the High Honor Guard was, you know, very in-depth. He refined his protective fighting skills and he was also given a bow rifle. Oh, my God, that thing is so cool. Yeah, yeah. so he used that while in service to Lasan, And then also afterwards, once he was rotated out, then another captain was put in place. And the uh, ISB, the Imperial Security Bureau, sent uh, one agent, Alexander Callas, mm. to Lasan, uh, where he defeated the honor guard in combat. Yeah, and then the empire proceeded to devastate the world and kill most of the Lasats. Yeah, there was an uprising right on uh, Lasan, and yeah, he was tasked with quelling that rebellion. And those jerks used <laughs> T seven ion disruptor rifles mm-hmm. on them, and not that necessarily that Callus uh, ordered them to use it, but they were. You know, the troopers were provided that. And yeah, and he didn't tell them not to. No, so. right, right. So he's not innocent of this at all. But right, right. the ion disruptors are featured in the Rebels uh, show and like very much a point of high emotion for Zeb, of course, because these ion disruptor rifles were designed as anti-air and anti-armor weapons. And yeah. they just laid waste to organic material. I mean, like, we know that the Empire just, like, strip mines everything and just takes all organic life and all anything of value from a planet. But this is just next-level disgusting of what they did. I mean, it's just, it, it, it's like a, it just renders organic material to nothingness, and it's really nasty. Okay, yeah, but you think of, uh, for example, like the Night of a Thousand Tears um, with the Mandalorians. You've got this culture that is full of these warriors, or in the case of the Lasat, uh, like very large, very strong protectors. Yeah, you you have to come at them with full force in order to not get your beat, because well, that's exactly <laughs> what would happen. Yeah, if you come across these guys. Yeah, I mean, so you know, it's so it's one of those things that they do to uh, to ensure victory. Yes, I mean, but this was so egregious that the Senate itself banned the use of these weapons. Yeah. For as empire-leaning that these actions were, even the Senate was like, okay, that, was, that, was the, that wasn't so good. Yeah, we're just going to ban these things. Not that they weren't you know, reproduced on the black market after, but they banned these ion disruptor rifles from general production and they weren't allowed to use it within the empire anymore because it was that bad. Yeah, and so that pretty well decimated the Lasat people. Yes. And many of them were covered in rubble and killed. Zeb was among the ruins of Lasan, and a certain individual named uh, Kanan Jaris had saved him, and the remaining Lasats had fled Lasan, and um, he had no one else. 
Right. So he figured he'd pal around with with the guy that saved his life, kind of like a life debt. I mean, not Ooh. not drawing any parallel <laughs> to to his uh, to his um, early inspiration there. <laughs> However, he had this hatred for the empire. The Lasat didn't much care for the empire in the first place. Right. The reason for the uprising. But now, after seeing you know how they they dropped the hammer on his people. Uh, now he absolutely detests. Oh yes, absolutely. Um, <laughs> to draw another parallel to uh, the <laughs> exactly, you had told a story about uh, in our episode sixty um, that when George saw the design of the Wookiee, uh, Lasat, basically, mm-hmm. um, he wasn't too hot on the idea. But no, what was the he, George had made a suggestion to uh to macquarie or at least a design crew was like well i'm not really quite sure i like this but you know what i do like it was his dog wasn't it wasn't his uh yeah yeah so uh well uh indiana jones was named for uh for for his dog in indiana and um uh but he was this alaskan malamute that would sit in his passenger seat um you know as he was cruising around la and um so, so uh, you know, a big, big hairy dog, and so that's kind of what he had envisioned. Uh, so, <laughs> turned into a Jay Baruchel now. So, uh, so, so, so basically, uh, George. So George says, uh, you know, uh, it's it's good height, uh, guys, uh, Ralph. So uh, we're gonna keep the height, but uh, take away that scaly flesh, and uh, we're gonna put some hair on it. <laughs> so that's what happened uh, with that. So the design was. Uh, I don't want to say scrapped because there was a Fab Five of sorts painting that Ralph had done that had the main five. You'd had uh, Star Killer, Han Solo, and Chewbacca, and the two droids. No questions asked. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> so that was it's still kind of a major inspiration. So we're talking about Rebels here, of course. Right. Right. And uh, Rebels is highly influenced. By Macquarie's artwork, oh from, my gosh, from yes. the spaceship to the droid, all that kind of stuff. So when they were looking for character designs, they obviously were like, "We got to use this guy." <laughs> so um, that's kind of how he came about. But you know, because it was um, an interesting-looking character, but also not what George had in his head. So right. he was scrapped right. for Chewie. Do you know which company manufactures the AB seventy-five bow rifle? Uh, nope. <laughs> it's uh, the Lasan-Malamute Firearms Corporation. Oh, boy. <laughs> well, well, there's that. My right. mouth dropped when I saw that one. <laughs> well, that makes sense. Yep. Oh, boy. And that thing uh, could switch uh, from a blaster uh, rifle to an electrostaff in yeah. 1.36 seconds, which is... Very cool. Which makes that weapon, like you said, like very lethal because you got a distance yeah. weapon and you got a close hand-to-hand weapon and made the honor guard extremely lethal. Like you said, when the Empire comes and does this, basically this, uh, this eradication of the species, they had to use everything within their power to overpower these highly trained warriors because they were lethal and they had to do what they needed to do to defeat this uprising. Yeah, and that's, you know, again, it's not taking any chances with any of it because you're really underestimating their abilities if you go in there unprepared. Yeah. Basically. Totally. Yeah. 
they came in prepared, unfortunately for the Lasat. Right. And yeah. so, like you said, the, the Lasat, they scatter. A couple of them, the Honor Guard member Gron and the mystic Shava actually resettled and they found the mystical planet of uh, Lyrasan. They went back there. But the rest of them scattered across the galaxy and basically thought that they were among the last Lasat ever. Right. Because right. there was so much death and decimation by the Empire. So it really set up this very emotional arc for Zeb that he was like one of the last ones. Oh yeah, not only that, but you picture the fact that Kane Jarrus and mm. his whole arc with having been a Jedi and now he's Force-sensitive, but he's, he's a co-leader of a rebel cell mm -hmm. called the Ghost Crew. Yeah. and uh, Or Phoenix Squadron. So... Him and his crew, which includes uh, Spectre 4, Zeb. Zeb. Mm -hmm. And um, so these six members have really, well, five at the time, right. have really become a found family. Oh, absolutely. So by the time you introduce Callus into the show, um, he's coming after Zeb's found family now. Right. So after what he did to his home world and, and his kind zeb was already pissed and now you do this to his found family where you're threatening them and trying to eradicate and destroy them um he ain't having it no not at all yeah and even through his gruff exterior and his you know dislike for the droids and his uh hot tempered quick twitch anger <laughs> i mean we can call him Zeb, we can call him Spectre 4. We can also call him Rob from the Jedi Temple Archives podcast because <laughs> he's got the height for it. So, um, he does, he does. Um, but he's got a heart of gold, right? Yeah, I mean, he sick. really does. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, Zeb might call it his uh, raspberry-filled uh, pasty. Right. But no, um, he does really, um, he cares fiercely for his, his Phoenix Squadron yeah, crew. and his found family. And, that's yeah. and it plays right into that fierceness that he's going to protect that, especially after what he went through. Yeah. Obviously, in the beginning of Rebels, it's a whole new set of characters that we'd not seen before. Mm -hmm. And then we see them start to have these small, subtle ties to the Rebellion. Mm -hmm. uh, they're being fed information from some intel personnel mm -hmm. and a, a rebel agent with the code name fulcrum so they you know they they find out that that is ahsoka tano yes some of the listeners who know us and have listened to us for a while have known <laughs> that i was uh instructed by you to go back and watch the clone wars because i didn't mm -hmm. like the animation style and i clearly remember the day that i finished watching the clone wars and absolutely loved it and you had said, congratulations, now start watching Rebels. Uh-huh. <laughs> and mm -hmm. at this point, we didn't have the canon stories of Ahsoka. And she right. had passed into lore at this point, uh, as we saw in the Clone Wars uh, before Season 7. And when she showed up as Fulcrum in Rebels, it was an absolute mind-blowing, jaw-dropping appearance. And how that tied back into the Clone Wars and again, part of Dave Filoni's brilliance. I mean, he's doing it up until literally last week with Zeb, mm -hmm. which we'll get a little bit later on. Um, the way he's tying these characters together uh, endears us moment by moment. 
Yeah, absolutely. And um, to kind of recap what happens in Rebels, they they really got a, a lot of uh, very good intel from her and uh, and actually ended up linking up with some former clone troopers because of her in uh, Rex, Wolf, and Gregor. Oh, my gosh. One of my favorite episodes. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. So good. <laughs> so, yeah, they show up in the Lost Commanders episodes. Well, I mean, there's, yeah. it's an arc in there, of course. And uh, understandably, Kanan has an apprehension to them because they're clones and he's right. uh, he lived and, and witnessed, as we saw in, in the Clone Wars Season 7, um, through the Order 66. But very quickly, he realizes that Rex, Wolf, and Gregor are sort of not under the command of that chip. And, right. um, uh, not at all. Yeah. and They're Z- like hunting jupas and stuff. <laughs> exactly. Clearly not doing whatever right. the Empire wants. Right. And they catch one, uh, thanks to Zeb, because unknowingly, he was the bait. <laughs> well, I mean, jupas do love a uh, good Lasat, so... <laughs> And, um, uh, quote unquote, uh, Big Bongo, as they call him, um, right, right. was not only, um, very well caught because of, uh, Zeb's appearance, it's also the biggest they've ever caught. And that sort of assuaged his anger because, well, at least get the biggest one under my name. <laughs> and not only that, then they were willing to share some of his meat with Rest, him. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so... So then, through through this this uh, side quest, if you will, they end up uh, just talking with the clones and and kind of updating them because I guess the clones were off the grid and not really paying attention to what was going on until they were on the grid when Gregor was like, "Hey, Empire, uh, guess who's here?" Yeah, and then you know, so that caused them to have to cut and run in a bit of a hurry. However, the talks that they had with them actually helped to bring those clones back into the fold on the side of the rebellion yeah especially rex he's a a very instrumental part of that uprising and from those few episodes then he's in there he's providing them intel you know locations of bases and that kind of stuff very important Mm -hmm. for the continuation of their integration within the rebellion and really rising as a cell Mm -hmm. uh, with great success yeah so these missions that they're sent on, on behalf of Fulcrum, lead them to garnish more people to the cause. Mm-hmm. And also, unbeknownst to them, help strengthen the rebellion as a whole, though they don't know that they're just a smaller part of a larger rebellion. Right. Zeb being a, like a, a critical part of that, you know, they have their individual strength, you know, Hera being literally the leader of the entire Ghost crew and the pilot so her and kanan within the group they call zeb sabine and ezra the kids because that's what well are. yeah i mean by the time of like three or four bby he was like 38 years old but who are we kidding he's still very much a kid and temperamental a like a kid yeah absolutely absolutely so you know it's 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 accurate let's not fool ourselves <laughs> But, um, so also through their missions, they met up with a Mon Calamari engineer, uh, who was named Quarry. Uh, He was an engineer and he created the Blade Wing. Oh my gosh. And that was the precursor for the B Wing, which is why the B Wing doesn't look like a B, like an X Wing and Uh an A Wing do. Looks like a blade. Okay. But through the use of this Blade Wing, um, 
that allowed them to break up a blockade, and then the ghost was able to deliver shipments to the people on Ibar. Quarry. Oh, my God. Uh-huh. Mac- oh, my God. I'd s- oh. <laughs> I mean, he would have been named Macquarie, but uh, he was uh, Mon Calamari and not Irish. So... <laughs> Just quarry. Right. It's, it's a drink as opposed to it's a trap. <laughs> right. Exactly. Oh, boy. Oh, man. So, oh, my uh, gosh. Yes. That is so, crazy. Wow. Uh-huh. So these boys and gals start to cause a bit of a ruckus. <laughs> they continue to be on the Empire's radar. Right. And they continue to send Agent Callus after them. And, of course, Agent Callus is all about it because there's a Lassat there and he needs to, uh, he has unfinished business. There's a complexity to Callus, of course, with that and surrounding that. No, there's not. He's an... <laughs> and we move on. He is. He's, <laughs> he's, he's, he's a jerk. He is the worst. He's such a jerk. So, of course, he tracks them down. But then uh, Zeb and Callus end up crashing on a Geonosian moon. Yes. Yep. Uh, Baron? Baron? Baron, Baron, yeah, Baron, I think, yeah. Bahrain. Bahrain. It's not Bahrain. It can't be Bahrain. <laughs> That's not Bahrain. It's uh, Baron, no. yeah. Yes. Um, <laughs> and uh, it's uh, like an ice moon. So in order to survive, they had to work together. And while they were waiting to be rescued, uh, the ice was very thick. They couldn't um, send out any comms. Right. So they were working together to survive. They were uh, talking to one another. And they started to kind of... I don't want to say see things from each other's perspective. I think they did. I think that the they certainly had a a, a change in. I mean, throughout. I don't. I don't think Zeb saw things from Callus's perspective. Well, I mean, I think Callus uh, recognized the error of his ways because Zeb didn't do anything wrong. Yes, but I also think that Zeb he saw that they needed to work together to get out of this mess. Mm-hmm. And he could have killed them within an instant. Yeah. I mean, he had a lame oh, leg. Absolutely. So I, I think that there's a part of him that saw like, well, I could just take this guy out and figure it out on my own. I think part of that, that storyline is that Zeb saw Callus as a little bit more of a human or as a, as a, as a soldier. Sure, sure. More than just a, uh, someone who I need to kill because of the personal vendetta i have against yeah. him because of what he did sure 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 and and again you know with what they were facing i don't think he would have done very well on, on his own oh for sure i mean i so yeah so that being said i think you know he knew that he was smart enough to know that they had to work together put aside their differences as as was Kala. so between the two of them they said hey listen we will Put that aside till we get out of here, and then it's game on with back to whatever feud we might have. But then in that time, they ended up having more in common than they had thought. Yes. And then also, Callus ended up having a, a change of heart in how he thought of not only Zeb, but this uh, small rebel's crew. Yeah, because like... Throughout that entire encounter that they went through, let's be honest, Callus was like completely unprepared for what he was going through. And if it wasn't for Zeb literally saving him because he found the meteorite that kept them warm. And yes, okay, Callus did provide Zeb with the best way to get out of that cavern. 
he still but managed... it wouldn't have happened without Zeb exactly you know? exactly so and I agree with you Callus I think saw more of Zeb's side than the reverse but it's Zeb's survival skills I guess that came into uh into play and his training with the the honor guard that really did end up taking the precedence over maybe what his feelings were for what Callus could provide so lying back to back outside of the cavern and Again, <laughs> Zeb reestablished the communications of the escape pod that they came from, opening this signal to anybody who could listen, whether it was the rebels or the, the Empire. Who's going to come first? And, you know, Callus was saying, well, you, you, you may be able to open this communication to anybody, but you will die if the Empire comes first. And Zeb is like, well, yeah, I might want to face that more than just, you know, you know being a captive. Callus, from his perspective, I'd rather wait here and die than go with you as a rebel. So, Mm -hmm. you know, ultimately the ghost shows up first. He sees that embrace with the ghost crew and they're so happy to see Zeb. And he Mm -hmm. gets a completely different response from the Empire and like uh, Constantine. I think it's uh, Admiral Constantine that he uh, ends up meeting. And that really, that shift literally changes this character's trajectory. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And that's the issue is you've got this interaction that he had with Zeb in that time where where Zeb even basically is like, hey, listen, there's spots here. We could use someone like you. And he says, no, no, no. And then, you know, seeing that reaction that Zeb got from his crew versus the very cold, harsh, like, okay, you're saved, get back to work mentality of the imperials really showed him what what the rebels already know that everyone's expendable and like all right so you're back um good you yeah, know not yeah. even like good to see you yeah. um so <laughs> get to work know, so yeah so it's so it's everyone is used for the empire but not you know appreciated whatsoever so later on they um continue getting intel from fulcrum mm. And then they come to find out that, that he has now taken on the mantle of Fulcrum and is helping them from inside the Empire. And before we get to that, we're going to take a quick break. I'll be right back. Oh, I could use a illusion manguese liquor. Yeah, I'm thinking of whiskey. Oh, good call. Hmm. Lots to choose from. Do you want a selection from the top shelf? Definitely. The chosen one whiskey, please. Why that one? Well, there was this battle. It's over, Anakin. I have the higher ambient temperature. You underestimate my proofing. You were the chosen one. It was said you'd destroy bad whiskeys, not join them. I'll barrel you. You were my distillery, Anakin. Wow. Okay. I guess instead of top shelf, it should be called the high ground. Yeah, no. Like any good scotch, it gets darker as it ages. Chosen one whiskey. All the body, none of the legs. 
And we are back. Thank you to our sponsors. And uh, just before the break, we were talking about how Callus ends up becoming Fulcrum. And let's not reduce the importance of that encounter on that moon of uh, Geonosis. That really was his turning point as becoming part of, not of a sympathetic, but understanding the perspective of the yeah. uh, rebellion. I mean, really, what allowed him to become Fulcrum was he stopped shaving his beard and didn't get a haircut for you. <laughs> and became Prince Charming from the uh, Shrek series, right? Right. right, exactly, exactly. So, you know, so that being said, um, <laughs> Callus continues to feed them information, keeping them ahead of most all Imperial uh, entanglements, Ooh, as nice. it were. Yep. Mm-hmm. Although they did have to fend off continued threats of the Empire, such as Darth Vader. <laughs> Who's that? Oh, yeah, Darth Vader, that guy. Yeah? He's some dude that like came down on top of a TIE fighter <laughs> and then proceeded to attack them because um, he was awesome. Then also Maul. Oh, my gosh. Okay, yeah, so there was right. a whole thing with Maul. Yeah. What's up, man? Thanks, Ezra. Um, <laughs> other threats, such as pirates, like Hondo Onaka. <laughs> and even uh, the likes of a certain Grand Admiral Thrawn. Oh my gosh, yeah. Now, before we get to Thrawn, I think that the characterization of criminal pirates, such as Hondo Onaka... Uh, I don't... I don't know why you're calling him a criminal. Well, I'm not, because I'm just referring to uh, some of the uh, the media out there referring to him as a criminal. So I'm just, I mean, it's Wikipedia calling that into uh, into question, because... Uh, you know what's questionable? Your perception of <laughs> Captain Onaka. But we'll get to that a bit, maybe in a couple episodes. We'll, we'll bring this up. I think that there's a characterization problem that we may have with... Uh... A certain Hondo yeah, Onaka. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, as as we have learned from the Pirates of the Caribbean, you can be a pirate and a good man. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so, take that, Wikipedia. Exactly. Oh, boy. Also, um, they'll never come on. <laughs> um, so, they get into a, uh, a, a few skirmishes. Uh, you know, of course, when, when they see Vader, it's, it's a whole thing. With uh, Vader and Ahsoka and and all of that craziness that we do. That's the whole different episode. Um, yeah. And then, of course, um, when Maul comes and attacks them, he's actually, he comes for Ezra. Right. To come and get Ezra to be his apprentice. Yeah. You know, basically tries to separate... Ezra and Kanan from everyone else mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so that he can take care of that. So when that happens, it's kind of um, it splits the group mm-hmm. and and then of course Kanan ends up visually impaired. So that's the thing is if you've got these guys all together, then perhaps you can prevent that. Mm-hmm. Because when you've got the crew together, they're a force to be reckoned with. Oh, yeah. So when you split them up, that's when trouble happens. So he starts to kind of keep everybody a little closer when these things start to happen to his friends and family. And that's the thing, too. Like, same way with Chopper and eventually AP5, Zeb has this sort of love-hate relationship with these droids. And it's the same <laughs> thing with Ezra, because 
even in the first episode or first couple of episodes. Oh, yeah. When Ezra first becomes part of the crew and Hera sort of takes Ezra under her wing and against almost the will of the rest of the crew, like she sees how good he could be. So eventually Zeb starts to see him as part of the family, as his found family, and he starts oh, to yeah. warm up to him and just like the, the droids. When he goes through this process with Maul, you can see the the endearment that he has for him. It's like, look, he's going through something I don't understand, but I'm going to stand by him regardless. And that's mm-hmm. that found family love is just crazy awesome and um, pits him against any of those you know machinations that Maul is doing. And like you said, he has to separate them because without that, nothing's going to work. He has to be alone with him. He has to separate him because ultimately Maul is just looking for Obi-Wan. Again, it's all about uh, revenge against uh, Obi-Wan. And that's his driving passion. And he'll do anything to make that happen. Yeah, and with these big bads, you know, uh, Vader and, and, and Maul, you've got a certain level of risk and danger involved mm. because you know, you know these are characters you've never met until this show and these other characters are well established and at least one of them you're going to see again so you know he's not gonna lose <laughs> you know so the whole thing is just like uh it's super risky for them mm-hmm. you know they're at the point where they have very little to lose because they're they're on behalf of the rebellion it's you know give 100 percent and get through this to, to get to the next conflict and get to the next maybe Achilles heel that you can find to, to bring this empire down. Yeah. And we see this rebel cell as they're growing in importance. And we do eventually meet up on Yavin with the larger rebellion. And we see Saw Guerrera, who yes. presents this sort of like this uh, projection and mocking the static rebellion versus what he's doing and his sort of more uh, militaristic strikes that he's doing and outside of the comfort zone of the rebellion. And that brings up an interesting point because Callus was part of a strike team that was going after Saw Guerrera. And one of the members of his security detail was a Lasat. And this Lasat decimated this unit that Callus was part of. And mm-hmm. that sort of laid those, that groundwork for his uh, animosity towards the Lasat species. Again, it, like, not just for Zeb and his angle, it's Callus's angle. And like you said, ends up becoming uh, Fulcrum because he sees more of the destruction that the Empire is doing. Yeah, and how maybe they aren't the good guys. Exactly, um, yeah, yeah. And, and like, if you have any shred of a moral compass, you're going to rail against that and, and fight against it. Mm-hmm. So then they end up dealing with Grand Admiral Thrawn, who's, you know, as most everyone should know by now, is a master tactician mm-hmm. um, and really just a military mind to be reckoned with. He's pretty much hot on their trail because they're doing very well for the rebellion. Mm-hmm. And with this intel from Callus, they're able to strike effectively and get out before um, capture. Mm-hmm. For the most part. Yeah. Um, every <laughs> once in a while, so, somebody gets captured, but uh, it always works out in the end. So 
they get a little bit of a tail, as it were, because the Empire is so sick of them <laughs> evading them every yes. time. So that comes in the form of Warwick Davis. Basically, he is an Ewok. No, um, no, he's uh, Rook. Rook. He's Rook. Yeah. Who is um, who was Thrawn's like lackey and yeah. henchman mm-hmm. in the early books, and uh, also now on screen uh, with some heavy voice modulation for Warwick. Yeah, I couldn't believe that when you told me that was a Warwick. It's like wow. And I went back, and of course, you're right. Because it was so heavily modified and changed, it's like, okay, well, that's why you didn't immediately recognize it. But yeah, Thrawn is a master right. tactician, and he was definitely following the pattern of failure on behalf of the Empire. It's like, how can these things keep happening? And he obviously figured out that there's some sort of mole within, uh-huh. the, uh, within the Empire, which, of course, is at this point is callous. And so Rook is the one who ends up being the one who's on the ground level, he's the grunt sort of, you know, on the front lines trying to figure out the, uh, who these players are. And the sort of the flashpoint of this entire story is Lothal, where, of course, Ezra is from. But um, Arinda... Um, Price. Yeah, Arinda Price. She's sort of the tipping point or the fulcrum, <laughs> as it were, ah. of the Empire on this planet. And Zeb is one of the biggest supporters of Ezra and trying to free Lothal from the Empire's uh, you know, rule. And all these points are coming down to this one series of episodes. If you haven't watched Rebels, I would suggest you stop. You need to watch Rebels. It is such a phenomenal series. And there's like force lore and there's the world between worlds. And um, Kanan is a huge part of this series of episodes. And it's, it's tough, but... Uh, really steals the entire ghost crew for what they need to do for the rebellion, but also then the the ultimate sacrifice that he does and how it changes Zeb. Yeah, and uh, Zeb takes that obviously very personally because he was saved by Kanan uh, now twice yeah. when he was in trouble. So now he's at the point where, well, they're all at the point where Kanan is, is not there anymore. Yeah. And basically, they have to figure out how this works without him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, so Zeb, um, you know, it's a, it's already a small six-person crew. So, you know, as far as they know, they're doing all this on their own, and now they're down to five people, and he'll be damned if he's going to lose another one. Yeah, and he exhibits his wrath against Rook, and he eventually captures him, and he's just absolutely beating him brutally and yeah. he's literally screaming this is for Kanan and if it wasn't for Sabine Rook would be destroyed absolutely destroyed and okay yeah extremely emotional and extremely powerful within the series of episodes but certainly you see that found family love is right there and everything is raw and for Zeb to be able to be pulled back from that that's a huge feat for Sabine yeah so then they do go on mm-hmm. without Kanan, and they proceed to be integral parts of the liberation of Lethal. Oh, yeah, for sure. And then, you know, obviously a, a big part of the end of the Galactic Civil War. Mm-hmm. We see them in and, Rogue One. Mm-hmm. And there's mention of them uh, not only in Rogue One, but also in the um, epilogue 
of oh, Rebels. Yeah. There is mention of them uh, fighting in the Battle of Endor and things like that. So they, they were participants in, in key Rebel victories to help bring down the Empire. And then once all that dust settled, um, Zeb had found out that uh, Lyra San, the Lasats, it's true. All of it. <laughs> and so... Yes. Um, he he and Callus actually head to Lyrasan to see um, if there's any truth to this, and uh, there indeed is. Mm-hmm. And so Zeb is now reunited with more of his kind. Mm-hmm. And for Callus, it's uh, cathartic because he's been forgiven by Zeb, and through his actions through that time period, helps to give him forgiveness in the eyes of the rest of the Lasats on their son he's accepted into society but also for his denial perhaps of what he did as the right thing for the empire uh but then that guilt of what he thought was an eradication of a species mm-hmm. actually didn't happen that their original home world was thriving still and mm-hmm. zeb who was never a believer of this mythos of Lyrasan and the mystic side of it, he was always the warrior. He didn't believe it, but the prophecy of the three, as they called it, that there was going to be a foretelling of the rediscovery of their original homeworld, he became a critical part of that. So he had that resurgence of understanding of where his species came from. And the fact that he shared it with Callus, who was one of the agents of their demise of this other planet they uh, they emigrated to um, mm-hmm. really is sort of a full circle, like you said, cathartic experience. Not for both of them, which is mm-hmm. mind blowingly wonderful as a storytelling arc for both characters. Yeah, and that's really where we see their story end mm-hmm. um, through animation, and then it's assumed that Zeb continued fighting with the Alliance to restore the Republic during the events of the OT, mm-hmm. and this absolutely falls in line <laughs> with Zeb's first live-action appearance in 9 ABY in The Mandalorian Season 3, Episode 5, which was Chapter 21, The Pirate, wherein he was spotted in a bar at a Delphi base which was a New Republic outpost where Captain uh, Carson Teva mm-hmm. took the hollow message from Grief Karga about assistance with the pirate siege on Navarro. You, you hear the footsteps first. Yeah. And then you see, I mean, he's in the background, but then you hear the footsteps and you're like, oh boy. And then he comes around and sits down and you're like, oh my gosh, yeah. look at him. And then you hear Stephen Blum's voice and it's like, this <laughs> is amazing. And what was also cool, too, is that you see his age lines, because you mentioned his age in the yeah. Rebels. Now we're fast-forwarding to, you know, nine, ten years later, yeah. and he looks a bit older. I mean, it's just, it's, it's yeah. perfectly done and perfectly inserted, really brings such a great character and quite important cameo, especially yeah. thinking forward to the Ahsoka series coming up. And not only really bring a great character from Rebels in, but to have Dave Filoni in that scene to see him in live action. 
And <laughs> so I didn't see it, of course, first you did. And where these the directors were sitting, and you described the entire scene because I just was oblivious to it. You got Dave, you've got um, Rick, Rick, and, and Deborah, and Deborah all sitting at the bar while this sort of watering hole. And they were all featured as pilots in the X Wings in season yeah. two. So it completely made sense. But the angle of which Dave was sitting across from Zeb you get the sense that he was looking right at him. And again, an introduction for his character that he created for Rebels and seeing him come into live action is just, you know, chef's kiss perfect. It was just such a great scene. Oh, yeah. I mean, the, the only thing that would have made it better is if he was in it longer. <laughs> <laughs> and and turned to the camera and said, this is, this is just great Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> See, see, the thing about Lasats is, uh, well, you gotta know about Lasats is that, uh, yeah, they're they're a design from early Chewbacca, and um, so when you take that and you you put it in as a little head nod to the maker, um, you, that's that's just great Star Wars. I don't know that he's ever said that's just great Star Wars, but I kind of hope he does. <laughs> Eventually, <laughs> it's like it's like my uh, my my version of like his catchphrase. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's never said it before. He's an actual human being. Why does he have a catchphrase? <laughs> I don't know. Um, but yeah, so it's just really a very cool thing um, to see. Now you've got Ahsoka, you've got Chopper, you've got him. Um, I'd love to see when. Savine and Ahsoka find Ezra. Mm-hmm. That maybe yeah. we get some flashback from Ezra. That'd be good. Where we see live action Kanan. And we've heard in Rogue One, we heard General Syndulla be mentioned. Yes. Yeah. So all these characters from Rebels. Yeah. And of course, Ahsoka being Fulcrum. But this, right. is, this is the, aside from Chopper, who we saw, in, again, in Rogue One, sort of, you know, going across the tarmac there, this is the most front and center character from Rebels being uh, added to live action. And that is just so exciting. Yeah, I mean, you know, now that they've figured out um, how to do it and do it so well, um, not that they need to figure it out, but they've, <laughs> they've done it. They've, they've physically done it. So, um yeah, now uh, now we just need him to be in more stuff, which I I imagine if he's hanging out where uh, Carson Tiva is hanging out, we we might catch some more of him in the Mandalorian. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But um, other other projects in this timeline, I think, will definitely feature right, him. Right. And further explore uh, what he does uh, post Empire. Oh man, which oh. is very exciting to me. Oh, he's so cool. Oh. oh my gosh. I mean, I'm all about him drinking some uh some chosen one whiskey. Chosen one whiskey. Um, yeah. it's, it's from the high shelf. Um <laughs> he but, can get there. <laughs> but I would like to see him in action in live action. Yeah. Yeah. Cuz this dude is a brute and he is the, he is the brute squad <laughs> and um and I miss him and I think he's awesome. Yeah, I mean, he's such a brute that uh, he was a uh, key member of the uh, Galactic Rebels uh, powerlifting team. 
Oh yeah, forgot about that. They actually they were undefeated. They made it to state. They were. They were uh, actually they were. Um, they were core world champions. Well, not just I core. Remember. They were mid rim too. They were core and mid rim champions. You you got Zeb, you got Chewy, and you've got uh, Wrecker. Ricka? Yeah. Yeah, Ricka. yeah, yeah. I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. So. And what was weird is they were all team captain. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> Before we end up here, what's your favorite Zeb quote? I feel like I should say Carabas because it's like the first Star Wars curse word we've heard. Yeah, it's, and it's such, uh, so but, iconic. But I kind of feel like I need to say that it's uh, something more along the lines of, I like your attitude. <laughs> and to follow up that, that, that line... Good luck. You're going to need it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That's like classic Zeb. I love it so much. And it's exactly what Han said to Lando, which is such Uh a great callback. Oh, my gosh. Oh, that's so good. Oh, man. Oh, boy. I like your attitude. Oh, he's so good. So I guess that's his story that we know so far. Yep. Yep. There we go. That's... Garazeb Aurelios. There he is. Spectre 4, a.k.a. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. So, um, to find our episode 60 about the Ralph McQuarrie influences mm-hmm. on Star Wars and Rebels and all of the fun stuff that we're seeing and have yet to see, uh, which is in our archives on our website, conversations.com. Through our uh, Instas at Conversations, Twitter at Suations. Uh, we are Facebook.com slash Conversations. Link.tree slash Conversations is where you can find all of those things if you forget what I said. <laughs> and, um, of course, we are proud founding members of the Red 5 Podcast Network, and that is bio.link slash Red 5, R-E-D 5. Nice. So uh, that's the details. And until next time, Carabast. Greetings, listener. Just a reminder that the podcast you just heard is a proud member of the Red 5 Network family. Red5Network.com offers you a great variety of shows you'll be sure to love. So the next time you're itching for quality content, make sure you head over to red5network.com. You'll find this podcast along with a whole lot more. All wings report in. It's the Red 5 Network. <laughs> <laughs>